0: rong
1: Good morning. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. As we prepare to worship our God and lift up his holy name, we want to welcome you to join us this time of fellowship and worship. one want to get a little something like this.
0: Jesus we give Him all. Jesus we give Gracias. <tose>
1: Amen. Can nobody do us like Jesus? Let's look to our Lord for encouragement today through his word coming from the gospel according to Mark, uh, third chapter. We're looking at verses one uh, through six in the gospel according to Mark, uh, third chapter. Let us pray for enlightenment. Lord, enlighten us through your spirit, but thus save you through your holy word that we may apply it to our hearts, that we will walk in fellowship and communion with you, Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. Reading from the New Living Translation of Gospel according to Mark third chapter verses 1 through 6 reads, Jesus went into the synagogue again, noticed a man with a deformed hand. Since it was the Sabbath, Jesus' enemies watched him closely. If he healed the man's hand... They planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the deformed hand, come and stand in front of everyone. Then he turned to his critics and asked, does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save life or to destroy it? But they wouldn't answer him. He looked around at them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. Then he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored. At once the Pharisees went away and met with the supporters of Herod to plot how to kill Jesus. Praise God for his word. Amen. You may be seated as we continue on to worship.
0: I lift my head to total and You pray, all. Thank you.
1: Here, love the Lord.
0: Lord, I love you more than any.
1: Lord, we surrender to you. Lord, we love you with all our heart, with all our might, with all our strength. We thank you that we know what love looks like because you showed us on the cross, on Calvary. You bled and died for us. And Lord, we thank you that you loved us before we even understood what love is. But because of your great expression, we now know what love is. And so, Father, we ask you to continue to change our hearts to be more like you. Minister to us through the preaching, Lord, of your word, that we might see you and have your word hidden in our heart, that we might not sin against you. Draw us closer into your presence that we will walk and righteousness under your guidance and your direction. In Jesus Christ's name, Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. As we look on this text today, the gospel according to Mark, this third chapter, I'm going to talk about today the time for healing. We have just recently in our country just had weeks And days, back-to-back tragedies, uh, from large-scale to larger-scale. And we are constantly dealing not only with these national calamities and tragedies, but also personally we're dealing with loss and grief and pain and suffering. And it's times like this that we need to truly look to our God to give us help. And so as we look at our text today, we're going to talk about a time for healing stretched out to Christ. We want to talk about how we are dealing with people who do not want to see help to come to certain people for whatever their reason or their agenda is. I'm not here to justify if they got a right reason or not, but my thing is this, that if someone needs help, help should be provided. It's time out for us to try to be in control of how services are provided when services are just simply needed. And so we're going to look at our text today and see that how we have some accusers uh, that are not happy with what Jesus is doing. And yet how Jesus is not happy that they don't understand that I'm here to help all those who need help. Uh, no matter their condition, no matter what day it is, no matter what time it is, if help is needed, help shall be I'm encouraging us today that God is showing us right here in this text that whenever you need help, Mm -hmm. God is able to help you whenever you need help. Mm -hmm. Uh, Looking at our text again, uh, Mark, the third chapter, uh, verse one, uh, sets the setting for us. It says Jesus went into the synagogue again. Mm -hmm. Just notice that first phrase again. Because the of Gospel of Mark, when you read this awesome Gospel of Mark, it's like an action uh, novel. Uh, it goes from action to action, action to action. And so after the second chapter, Jesus already got them upset because of what he did on the Sabbath. And so he builds up the contact and the tension here that Jesus went into the synagogue again on the Sabbath. It's like He already got them messed up the first time. Here it is. He going to go back again. Basically saying, how you like me now? Uh, and, and, and look closely with me. The second chapter, verse 27 says, And Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. Right. Uh, so the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. Uh, Jesus had to set them straight that you don't know who you're talking to. Let me help you out. Uh, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. Uh, the Sabbath do not control me. The Sabbath does not operate by me. I created the Sabbath, and I created the Sabbath for you, but I'm over everything, and I'm in control. So here it is again. Jesus, the Gospel of Mark, is pointing out that God is supreme and awesome all by himself. And he points out again, Jesus went into the synagogue again. And now notice here, notice a man with a deformed hand. Now the tensions built up here, verse two. Since it was the Sabbath, right? And Jesus has already set them straight uh, that he does not see the Sabbath as they see the Sabbath. He's pointing them out how they should see the Sabbath. Uh, and since it was a Sabbath, Jesus' enemies watched him closely. If he healed the man's hand, they plan to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. Isn't that something. They were ready to see, is he going to do something to help this man out? And as soon as he helps him out, now we got him. We're going to accuse him of not being good. And something. How is it that someone can be opposed of somebody getting help? This is what we're dealing with this in our world, that we have some people that say that we don't want to change these laws because we don't want to help these people. Oh, but that's not what I'm saying. But no, that is what you're saying. If these laws can help change and help somebody out. Why wouldn't you change? Because it's not going to be done my way. We have these Pharisees are upset that Jesus is not acting like them. He's not behaving like them. And since he's not with them, he must be against them. And so now they are against them. But notice also in this text it says that they joined up with the Herodians. <laughs> so here, here is it. You know how the saying goes, right? The enemy of my enemy becomes my friend. And so here it is that they don't like them, but it says we both don't like him. How are we going to get together to stop him from doing the things that we don't like? Be careful how the enemy tries to get us to fight against each other and lose focus on what needs to be done. We, we get caught up about how we got to do it our way. start looking at what needs to be done. Opposition to healing is hurting us. The this, this second Sabbath incident is not inherently connected with the first. But the narrative sequence allows us to assume that Jesus and his disciples return from their controversial walk through the cornfields outside the town to attend the synagogue service of the same Sabbath. In that case, and assuming that the same Pharisees who had objected to the disciples' actions are now also in the synagogue. The atmosphere is already charged and they're watching Jesus. They are not neutral in their interest. But yet they are concerned about what he is doing that's not the same way as they would do it. In their terms, it may be unorthodox what Jesus is doing. And now Jesus' actions is causing them to be annoyed, upset, and stirred by his actions. It's, it's, be careful about how people don't like you, how they keep their eyes on you, ready to criticize you, ready to knock you down. The Pharisees do not like Jesus. He has already pointed out to them that he is a Lord of the Sabbath. Now we see there is a power struggle happening here. Who's really in control? Who really has charge? Who really can take charge and make change? What we're finding out is that the Pharisees are truly impotent when they're standing against God himself. But they think that he's not God, but they think he's just a man that they can do what they want to do to him. They're not understanding that God is working it out for our good and for his will and his perfect pleasure. Their issues with Jesus is that they do not like him having power and influence over the people that they used to have power and influence over. They, they used to be able to hold courts and everybody comes around them, but now all of a sudden here comes Jesus. Everybody wants to know what is Jesus doing? And here it is that they are upset because Jesus is not doing it how they do. If Jesus joined in with them, they'd probably be all right if they all were pals together and then they shared together. But Jesus calls them out to tell them that you're not doing it right. You're not living right. Jesus does not come along and be our friend and be yes, men and tell us, keep on living, even though you're going to cause damage and hurt to So No, Jesus wants what's best for you. He wants you to change your life and get better. Thank God that he gives us opportunity to get it right. But yet here it is. We find out that their self-serving agenda is contrary to the selfless sacrifice of service attitude of Jesus. The action of these Pharisees make you wonder why they had to to come against Jesus and why they're looking for more support to get him. They are misinformed on who Jesus is. Think about how we are talking about how people don't have the right information. And when you don't have the right information, you can't come to the right conclusion. And because they don't know who they're talking to, they're not even open to listen to who is talking to them. Because of their own pride and their egos and their, and their, and their hunger for power, they're looking how they can use anything to go against Jesus. So Mark sets up the tension of the Pharisees versus Jesus within the synagogue after the conflict of the Sabbath in the previous chapter. Also, I want to highlight here that notice the Pharisees are trying to use the law to their benefit. They want to say this is what how it is and this is how we interpret it. And we're going to use this for our benefit. But then again, we see how Jesus knows what they're up to. And so he wants to find out, can they choose good or evil? Jesus meets their challenge over the law to see if they can stand on moral and ethical ground with the legalistic stance. Immoral people can still have corrupt laws. Jesus, seeing of the moral compass of these leaders, is appointed in the right direction. Jesus seeing are they open to lead for the greater good or are they open to lead only for their own good? Look how he challenged them there in chapter three, verse three. Jesus said to the man with the deformed hand, come and stand in front of everyone. Then he turned to his critics and asked, does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath? Or is it a day for doing evil? Mm. Man, that's a powerful question he gave to them. Let me read it again and dwell on this for a moment, that you are a Pharisee. Watching Jesus have a man now with a withered hand stand in front of everybody on the Sabbath. And now everybody knows you accuse him and he's challenging you and ask you this question. Does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath or is it a day of doing evil? Mm. Is this a day to save life or to destroy? We are troubled when we look at how they responded to. But they wouldn't answer him. Their pride freezes them to answer the question they know to be right. But they would lose power. They would lose influence if they would answer correctly before Jesus. They would have to admit the error of their judgment. I don't understand how people like to hold on to the power and be wrong even unto death. People like to hold on to being right even when they know they are wrong. This is why we see people apologize so that they can remove punishment but not have to admit guilt. Y'all don't hear me? They don't admit I've done anything wrong, but yet I had to deal with this consequence, but I didn't do anything wrong. There's no admission of guilt. That's sort of kind of how the thing goes about how when President Nixon accepted, right, the part of means that's admission of guilt. But he keeps on saying, I'm not a crook.
0: <laughs>
1: right? He understands that's what you say, but I'm gonna say, I'm not guilty. I'm did not commit a crime. But in order to accept a part of means you have to admit, y'all don't hear me. You see, people try to fool people. Try to say, Hey, what was what was settled was because I was right. But it's not disclosed, so they don't get the details. But it'll say like it didn't say I was guilty. I I I didn't admit to any wrongdoing. And that's how people try to get away with doing wrong, but I, I'm gonna say wrong and I'm gonna to try to do right from now on. Because I got caught that time. But I'm gonna find a new ways, y'all don't hear me. The enemy is always looking how to get over. He's always trying how to manipulate. Notice again the law is at the question here, and Jesus asked him, Well, if this is the law you abide by, is it good? To do good on the Sabbath or to do evil, my God. Uh, Think about it for a moment. He's asking them right now, when's the time to do good? You don't want anybody to work on the Sabbath, but it's being good work. When you're providing for somebody, caring for somebody, is this what's in question? Would you rather see someone die or would you rather see somebody live on the Sabbath? Jesus points out to them that they have to choose today what is right. Or what is wrong? What is good or what is evil? Will you build life or will you destroy life? This is a challenge for us today that sometimes we got to have a hard question in front of us. And we got to choose what is right. we got to see what is the greater good. What is not what's good for me, but what's good for the majority. What's not good for my ego, my pocket, or my equity, but what's good for everybody. That we all could be on the same page. Silence is not an option. That is concession to evil. The thought if you just do not vote or you don't take action or say nothing will cause no harm is wrong. Let me say that again. The thought if I don't vote, or I don't take any action, or I don't say nothing will cause no harm. That is wrong. Your no vote, your inaction gives permission to whatever is going to take place to be done. Silence is being complicit with the evil that you are witnessing. One should be careful in remaining silent in times like these because they come after you next. This is illustrated by the great poem many of us have heard in different forms and different ways by the pastor Martin Niemoller. First they came, it is called. He quoted this many times in many places in many sections and different ways. But one common way that has posted in many places is that first they came for the socialists and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me and there was no one left to speak for me. Be careful with your silence being complicit that they'll be coming after you next. When we are allowing evil to be done in front of us because we don't want to speak up, because we don't want to speak out, because we don't want to upset somebody or get somebody in danger because we know what is right, but we're going to sit back and watch what is being done and evil and wrong and be quiet does not make sense. Micah 6 and 8 tells us what God wants. No, O people, the Lord has told you what is good. And this is what he requires of you to do what is right, to love mercy and walk humbly with your God. You know what is right. So do what is right. Don't try to please people, but look to please God. By pleasing God, you everything's gonna work out. You might get some people upset when you're trying to do what God has called you to do, but I'd rather them upset than God upset. There's time out for us trying to please everybody, but we're not looking to please our God. Mark 3 and 5, look how Jesus got angry. If you have a question about the humanity of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that did he have emotions? and Did he feel? Well, he felt right here. It says here, he looked around at them angling, was deeply saddened or was deeply grieved by their hard hearts. Here it is. Jesus giving them a chance to make amends. For them to get right for them to change their mind but instead they have hardened in their hearts that they were not going to do what is right but they're going to stick on the path of wickedness that they are on and jesus is calling them out he's calling them out saying hey is it good to do good or to do evil and their silence is complicit to do evil jesus is sad that they can't get it right he is grieved That their hearts are hardened. So then he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand or he stretched out his hand and it was restored. Do you understand how uh, this man is kind of like a, a byline, a backdrop in this text? We don't know his name. We don't know who he is. But yet he is the object of the lesson that Jesus is teaching. This man has a withered hand. This man has an impaired hand. And Jesus calls him out front and center. Man, come stand in front of everybody so everybody can see what I'm about to do. And then he asked them, say, is it good to do good or evil on the Sabbath? Is it good to, to prepare life or to destroy it on the Sabbath? He asked them and they can't say anything. And Jesus is saddened and is grieved and hurt by their silence. But yet notice their impotence, their silence does not limit his ability to do what is good. Thank God that that when when evil do come around, when good men stand up, hallelujah, that's how we return evil. So here it is. One man, Jesus himself says, I can fix this situation. Stretch out your hand. We say God is good all the time and all the time. God is good where we are to do good all the time and all the time. Do good. We are to seek what is holy and righteous as we serve the Lord. Jesus is teaching them to show them that the error of their ways and how they can change and get right. Jesus desires for them to repent and turn, but their hearts were hardened and they grieved Jesus. Isn't that something? Jesus wanted them to turn. He wanted them to change, but they did not. And he grieved their hardness. They failed to see Jesus for who he is, the Son of God who takes away the sin of the world. Do you understand how when Jesus was going into Jerusalem for this final time, he wept, knowing that there were going to be people that rejected him. He was moved, but like, I'm about to die for it, but if only you knew what I'm going through. See, we ought to thank our God he does not give up on us, even when we are hard-headed, when we're headed down the wrong direction, willfully and joyfully doing the wrong things we should not be doing. We should thank God that he's always doing what is good, Well, we are so much doing so much evil around us. In the end, God will restore all things, but we must not give up hope in the midst of so much tragedy, so much trauma and so much grief, so much what we're dealing with that we don't think that we can get out. But yet we can realize even when we got people around us that don't want good to be done for us, that we can just stretch out. (laughs) God can still do regardless of the enemies around us. Notice here in the text, nobody spoke up for this man. They all were quiet like, nah, we're not going to get caught up in this because we don't want to lose face. But yet Jesus realized that I am called to do what is good. And Jesus being with us is more than the world against us. When Jesus tells us, man to come and stand in front of everyone, he has put this man in a particular position of opposition of his enemies. I'm encouraging you that when you stand with Christ, you will be standing against somebody else. And it's a time that you want to realize that you might be feeling like you're all by yourself. Notice the text that He was standing by Himself, but yet He wasn't by Himself because Jesus was right there. When Jesus sets the stage for what's going to be done in our lives, all we got to do is sit back and just trust in the Lord. Tell your neighbor, stretch out your hand. When you stretch out your hand to Jesus, you're open up to his command and responding to what he's going to do in your life. Amen. When you reach towards Jesus, you're reaching towards your hope. You're reaching towards your healing, reaching towards your salvation. You're reaching towards a promise that will always be kept. Amen. Jesus will always give you a helping hand. We need to be ready to respond to the word of Jesus and stand in his presence. Again, this man, we don't know, but yet he responded to the command of Jesus, come here and stand in front of everybody. Again, this man did not ask to be healed, but Jesus says, I'm going to heal you because I see your condition. I see your position and I'm going to help you, even though all those things you should not be helped on today because it's not convenient for them. It's not beneficial to them, but yet it's always good for God to be good. And in Christ, all things will be restored. So we're dealing in a time right now, we're wondering what's going to happen, right? Like uh, We we have people saying how this will uh, change litigations, how they should do this, they should do that, for change to happen within our community. But one thing I know that can change is we can change hearts. Christ can restore all things and we can get people just to come to know Jesus. They can come and realize that, Lord, I'm, I'm broken, I'm hurt, and we can stretch out to him we can just wait on Jesus speak and our lives will change and be transformed. Waiting is hard, sometimes painful, but still wait. Let us wait on the Lord. Waiting, knowing that hope is on the way. I want to encourage you as we wait, we think about Jeremiah 29 and 10. Y'all know that? Jeremiah 29 and 10 says, this is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years, but I will come and do you a good thing. For I promise and I will bring you home again. When, he, when he's telling them about this, that I, I, I know the plans I have for you, plans of prosperity and not of perish. But you notice he says that you got to stay there 70 years. Y'all don't hear? They are in captivity. But God says you're going to have to wait here in captivity. you got to stay here some 70 years. And he's telling that generation that you got to prepare the way for the next generation. So that, that when I bring them back, they will understand how to bring glory and honor unto me. When you understand how to live in the presence of God and trusting him while you're going through trials and tribulations, we are preparing those who come after us to go and walk in that promise and in that new life. You understand that what's happening in Jeremiah happened with Joshua. The first generation couldn't make it in. And so they had to prepare the next generation to get ready so that they can be right, so that they can make it in. There's times in our lives that we don't get it right. And God has to prepare people to make a way for us. We are dealing with a time now that our babies are suffering. They're dying in school. Why is that? Because we have an older generation that's not preparing the way for them to get ready for them to get right. But now is the time that we need to say, those who know the Lord. So turn it over to God and start living by himself. We can't no longer be silent. We can no longer just be quiet and say, well, we let them work it out. No, speak up and speak out and tell them it's always time to do the right thing. Injustice, what? Anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. If we don't speak up now, who's the next person who's going to get shot? Where's the next supermarket? Where's the next church? Where's the next school? It's going to be right in our neighborhood. And then now we're going to walk for change. No, now's the time. Don't wait. Now the time we can cry and weep. I, I know some of you have been the same as me. That every time you see the news, talk about these beautiful children and, and hear about a man dying of a broken heart with his wife that was a teacher that shielded the kids and died. And we're wondering, like, Lord, what's going to happen? Well, right now, what can we do? Well, right now, you, th- there's elections going on. There's choices right now. I can't tell you who to vote for, but you can vote. Yeah, you can make a difference. Talk to them. See where their hearts and their minds are. Call them out and see, are you willing to do what is right? What is good? Jesus had no problem calling them out. He said know they know what they want to get. After he did what he did, they went with his enemies. They went with their enemies to say, how can we get Jesus? But well, I want to encourage you to understand here that Jesus already, called, already got the victory. So when you know Jesus as your own personal Lord and Savior, you already have the victory. Y- 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 y'all know how Muhammad Ali does it, right? He, he knocked down and so listen, what he do? He put his arms up. He already knew the count. (laughs) He already knew I knocked him out. I I got the victory. You know, he just put his hands up. He danced, y'all. That's why we call the Ali Sub. He said, hey, 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 hey. The referee had to put him back. Like, like, no, no, get back. He said, that's all right. I'm going to dance over here. I already know I got the victory. I want you to know that Jesus has been resurrected. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he's always interceding on our behalf. Enemies are crowding around. us trying to see us crumble and fall. They're trying to defeat us. They're trying to stop us. But if we can just stretch out to know that as great as he that's in us and he that is in the world. With Christ, all things are possible. Then we can turn to him and realize that our hearts are broken, our world is damaged, and yet we know that this world is going to pass away and there's going to be a new heaven and a new (laughs) earth. So why are we trying to fight on and hold the stuff that needs to be changed anyway? So let's turn it over to the Lord and say, Lord, have thine own way. Know that he is in control. Know that he is Lord of all and know that he has the final say so. Don't get caught on what men say they can do. Know what God can do. God can make mountains crumble. He can make water cease to roar. The wind and the waves obey his command. He can make burning hot fire be as cool as a a cool day. As Sarah, Meshach, and Abednego. He can make hungry lions be little putty cats right there in the place. As Daniel, we know that our God can do all things well. And So while we're hurting, while we're in pain, and while people are watching us hurt, notice the crowd watched this man. And they didn't lift up a hand to help him, but when you can lift up your hand. (laughs) And notice, he didn't lift his good hand, it was his bad hand. Take our brokenness, take our pain, take our issues, and give them to Jesus, and he can make all things well. Let us pray. Father, we just thank you that you do all things well. We thank you, Lord, that no matter what we're going through, you're greater than whatever we're going through. And Father, we know that you can pull us through whatever we're going through. And Father, we thank you that when we come out, we won't look like we went through. Because you are able to keep us, sustain us, and make us stronger and make us better. Make us wise because of who you are. Keep on working in us, O oh God. Keep on transforming us. Keep on changing us. to help us, O oh God. That in the midst of so much hatred, in the midst of so much evil, in the midst of so much wicked, that, that we don't give up, that we don't give in. But, Lord, that we will speak of your word, Speak of your love. Speak of your grace. Speak of your mercy. And may you receive all the glory, Lord, and all the honor. Now, Lord, I pray as we join in worship that there might be someone who does not know Jesus as their Lord and say, Lord, I pray that they confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus Christ died on the cross for their sins, that he rose from the grave on the third day, and he exalted and sits at the right hand of the Father. and Matthew. Father, God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, we welcome, they welcome you into their hearts. And, Lord, we ask you to have own always with them. And, Lord, we ask to help guide them to a Bible-believing, preaching, teaching, church, where they can grow, they can be baptized, and they can serve and continue to be a, a change agent for your kingdom, for this community, for your world. In Jesus Christ's name, Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. Those who join us online, thank you for joining us. If you are interested in joining this fellowship and little more, you can continue to reach out to us through our website, www.zionbcpeoria.com. Uh, dot com and our email also on our website. You can download our app where you can also give to God your tithes, your offering and help contribute to the ministry through our website as well. As we, we conclude our time on live stream. We continue on to worship here, hit preparing to give God his tithes and our offer. Thank you for joining us. God bless you. May keep until we meet again.